Hello and welcome back to the Champagne Rugby Podcast. Today I'm joined by my co-host Adam Malone and I'm Hamish Kenny and we have today for you a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I introduce to you Francis Sahili. Sahili, sorry I got the pronunciation messed up there. All but, good brother. Yeah. Don't worry. So Francis, worry. tell us how are you doing? How was your day? Yeah, doing really good. Uh, I was a day off today, so uh, fairly chilled in the morning with the kids. Uh, had a little bit of a sleep in, which was actually quite nice. Uh, wife kind of let me uh, have a little sleep in. We had a back dinner last night, so had a little bit of a late one. Wasn't too late, though. Um, and then we had a few promos to do with the fans um, and community this afternoon, late evening. So, yeah, busy so enough, but pretty chill too. So how is it with the new move to Racing Metro? I believe you've been there for, for four games now. Have you settled in all right? Yeah, man, I've settled in nicely. Um, man, it's been a blessing since we arrived here in Paris. Uh, rest like, as you guys can imagine, we're Racing 92 and what the club and organisation is, is like. Uh, second to none with their resources and facilities, um, but then also just the organisation itself. Um, very, very um, warm welcoming, you know, welcomed us with open arms and, um, you know, couldn't ask for a better welcoming than, uh, than what we had. Uh, settling in well, which is nice, especially for me and my little family. Got two little girls, uh, but you have to kind of look after and keeping you on your toes, though. So it's kind of nice to yeah. get into a routine and uh, settling in, which is nice. Family's important. Uh, you seem That's like it. a real family guy. How how's the move? So you were in Beeritz before, right? So how's yeah, it been sure. moving from Beeritz to to Racing, leaving the Basque country? Well, look, it was uh, kind of left. You know, well, I went back home to New Zealand for the summer, and then I came back to Beeritz for like a couple of weeks before I came up to uh, Racing, though. So I was in transition uh, with. Um, leaving Beirut and then finding myself a new club it was unsettling and kind of you know stressful at the same time because I wasn't too sure what my future was going to hold and was kind of unknown what it was going to look like because I had asked the club uh, in February uh, that I wanted to leave so um, leaving the Basque country to come up here to you know the big city lights um, it's been the transition been, has been fine though but um, Obviously, leaving Beirut, knowing that I had a couple of more years left on there. Uh, yeah. Look, it is what it is, though. So, um, so yeah. Here's the life, Francis. Must have been a big adjustment going from like a surfer town in Beirut to like literally the big city lights of Paris. Like, did you enjoy the small town vibes of Beirut, or would you prefer the Parisian vibes? Man, really, really enjoyed uh, the Basque country in terms of like the. Obviously, you're along the coast, though. So, uh, I grew up in Auckland, where you know we're close to beaches as well, though. So, to be close to the beaches as well was actually quite nice for us. And there's always something about the beach that's always quite calm. Um, but for me, you know, like, uh, you know, I left Beirut for family reasons, and you know, as nice as it would have been to stay in Beirut, um, you know, family comes first for me, and um which is the reason why we left and we're here in the big city lights and uh, 
it's, it's, it's nice though. I haven't been able to explore too much of uh, Paris just yet, just because we're just settling us uh, and finding our feet. But uh, once we do, I'm sure there's uh, so, many, so much more that we can do uh, once we explore the, this beautiful city. Are you like living in the city centre or are you in like a, a different quartier, uh, like a different district? Yeah, so we're outside. So we're literally like 20, 25 minutes outside of Paris, like city, yeah. city centre. So, so it's not too far though. So it's um, a big city, isn't it? Uh, it's massive, bro. Like <laughs> you, you can easily, you can easily get lost in this place then. I swear if you like drive into like Paris or if you're driving home from Paris and you take like one turn wrong, one wrong turn, it adds on like an extra 10, 15 minutes and you're just like, so it's a, it's a tough one um, to try and find your way around the place though. So luckily with a bit of ways on uh, app on your phone um, can, yeah. can help you out. What do you think about the Parisians compared to the, the, the Basques? Um, the Parisians, well, what's well, I haven't been able to go out and explore it as much though. But, um, good thing about, about Paris is that it's quite diverse, so like you see a lot of like ethnicities from all walks of life, which is actually quite nice. So, when you go into like the city center, you actually see a lot of diversity of like, um, of culture. Uh, whereas obviously in, in the Basque country, you know, it's um. You don't you don't see as much uh, like diversity in terms of like you know like uh, ethnicities though. So that was one thing I kind of like liked uh, coming up over here though. Um, so I'll I'll find out. I'll tell you. I'll tell you um, once I see more more of the place though. But yeah, yeah. so far so good, man. Um, crazy drivers is what I'm is what I'm noticing at the moment though. They love to. Oh. They, they they love to complain on on the roads though so <laughs> it, it's it's bloody mental um i was in paris about le- this time last year and i was there for a friend's birthday and her mum her mum's literally a cra- like crazy driver and there was this smart car coming coming by on the side so a little smart car with this little frenchman got the french mustache everything all the stereotypes and he, yeah, he zooms sure. past and my friend's mum is extremely competitive and she was, she was like, um, she, the, the, what they say in French is chauffard, which is like a, a chauffeur that's going like, yeah. that's crazy, like a chauffard. And she, she was like, she was literally the definition of a chauffard. She drove yeah. past to try and catch up with the, um, this smart car, which was re- like, you know, the smart cars are smaller than the mini, yeah, yeah, small, yeah. compact. Yeah. And like he was, we- yeah, literally weaving in and out of the traffic and there's no lanes there's no rules and uh yeah, she was literally. blasting it to try and like keep up with him because he, he he had like cut her off and she got really quite mad at the at this fact and like just <laughs> this classic french crazy life a lot of talk about cars there any cars in the training ground that stand out francis um no we're all driving the same cars though um so obviously we're sponsored by a brand called cupra i wasn't too sure what their brand was when i when i got here the boys so we all drive the same cars um yeah so you won't be uh you know seeing a lot of boys rock up and i don't know what sort of cars they'll be rocking in though but i know i'll be i'll probably be rocking in with my bicycle that's for sure um if i have the choice but yeah we all drive the same cars russell's lamborghini are not true 
Uh, nah, oh man, good old white chocolate. Nah, he's um, nah. Well, we all we all drive the same cars though, so he's got his um, he's got his moped though. He's got a nice uh, he's got a nice moped, that's for sure though. So other than that though, yeah, I haven't heard about that Lamborghini before. I haven't seen that, so might have to ask him uh, about that. Might be in uh, Scotland, parked up in Scotland somewhere. <laughs> so is Finn Russell's nickname White Chocolate? Yeah, so that 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 nickname was like was given to him by uh, Simon Zebo when they were both here uh, playing together at wrestling. So uh, there's a NBA player, old school player called um, uh, Jason Williams. Pretty sure his name it is. Yeah, Jason Williams. He played for the Kings, and this guy had the smooth moves, and they called him White Chocolate, which is why <laughs> obviously with uh, with um, uh, with Finn. You know, we, we kind of used him as that sort of person to be like, but you got the smooth moves, like just like uh, Jason Jason Williams on, I have to search that. I'm pretty sure it's Jason Williams, but it's White Chocolate is his nickname though. Yeah. How are you finding playing outside uh, White Chocolate? Are the smooth moves yeah. doing you well yeah. or are you doing his dirty work? Yeah, it's, it's, nah, it's class, mate. It's, well, it's, it's good to have, um, you know, an English-speaking team inside though, uh, but to have someone like him, um, you know, with his sort of IQ and his sort of like heads up sort of rugby, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of New Zealand in a sense of just playing what's in front of you. Um, obviously, you have your systems and everything like that, but someone like him that can, you know, make something out of nothing, uh, you know, he's got that sort of X factor. Here's me like blowing smoke up his uh, blowing smoke up his ass at the moment, eh? But like, uh, <laughs> but but to, to, to be fair to to be fair to the fellow though, like um, yeah, he's 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 got that sort of heads up sort of rugby though, which is which is awesome to have as a ten. But then also to have him um, as an English speaking ten as well as trying because he's quite good at speaking French also. So it's kind of nice to have someone like him directing us around, um, translating a few uh, things in French if you know if we're not, you know, if we're stuck on like not understanding though, so it's kind of good to have uh, someone like White Chocolate um, doing that sort of uh, stuff for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And who's who would you say is obviously Finn's got a lot of bag of tricks, a, a true maverick uh, as a number ten outside half. Who's been the probably the best ten you've ever played outside of? Best ten that I've played outside of. Um... I've only played a few times with this. Oh man, jeez. Or top three, if you like. Top three, jeez. Well, obviously you can't run a past. Um, Dan Carter was one of them when I was in the All Blacks. Um, yeah, he just had that calmness about him. Um, and then also, he's not really a person who like shouts like too much though, and he's got that real like calm demeanor. Um, but just like Finn Russell, just being able to have their heads up sort of rugby, uh, being able to play what's in front of you. Um, do you know who would have liked to have played outside of? Is Carlos Spencer. Oof. That's someone who I would have liked to have played outside of though. Um, but that's not the question you asked me anyway. <laughs> but it's a good um, side, mate. Yeah, it's a, just a little segue there. Um, yeah, obviously Dan Carter, Bowden. Bowden was one of them. That'll be it, really. I played ten as well. Oh yeah. So I was, yeah, I played ten back in the days. 
that was my that was my that was my position. So yourself. But that's not the question you asked me also. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the question you asked me also. So. <laughs> I remember Francis. I remember watching you play for the Barbarians. It was yourself and Tim Nanai Williams who were playing. And did you yeah. have three or four grubbers in that game with your left foot? And I remember you were wearing 12 that day. But I said to my brother, I was like, Francis Saheli's able to kick. We were like, how is this a thing? So obviously you played 10. Tell us a bit about that. Was that in school or? Yeah, well, obviously, like, like I go back to how I said, I wanted to play outside of King Carlos. King Carlos Spencer was the one who actually made me want to play rugby. Like, you, if you look back at um, guys who kind of, who, who wore the number 10 jersey, and, you know, if, you, if you're talking about the sort of flair as a, as a number 10, you know, he's, he's one of the guys in your top three or top five that you'll speak about in conversations. So he was the person that I kind of idolised um, growing up as a young and from five years old and then had posters of them and everything like that and then carried on through. I, I just played number, I just wanted to play number 10, like, um, yeah, every time I played rugby. And, you know, like in the backyard, you'll literally just be like, Calling up, be like, Spencer, cut off pass. You guys are like commentating, like uh, as you play in the backyard, like with your, with your boys or your brothers and stuff like that. Though, so he's the reason why I kind of played like number ten. And then as time went on, um, grew a bit of size, <laughs> and then you know, like, and then I kind of shifted out to like number twelve, and that's how that kind of like pivoted into that sort of uh, position. But it was kind of nice to actually have qualities of playing number 10 because that's where you kind of play a lot of your heads up sort of rugby seeing where the space is being able to like you know like you said um putting a few kicks in whether it's going to be you know short or long um you know there's the sort of qualities that you pick up as a as a number 10 though but you know if uh, white chocolate goes down or if other two two other tens uh, go down as well. We've got Ben Vola Vola and uh, Jubist. You know, if they go down, you know, I'll put my hand up for, for number 10 around here. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's the reason why I played right. Oh, that's the reason why I played um, uh, number 10. So, yeah. And was rugby always your main sport growing up? Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, you know, I had a, we had a father that you know, loved rugby. He was... My two older brothers played the uh, league first, um, and then he switched us over to Union because he said that uh, at that time he said that you know you won't really go anywhere with league. You know you get to see the world with uh, rugby union, and uh, you know I guess he had a sort of idea in his head and foresaw what you know what the future could have been held for us. So um, and you know look at us now you know able to use rugby as a vehicle to travel the world have a look around places that we never thought <laughs> we'd be able to see so um but yeah it's a blessing man yeah and you've been to a couple of clubs are you your first venture into europe was at monster is that correct uh your background right there man it gives, it gives me chills just seeing that <laughs> It gives me chills I've been in the stand watching you a couple of times uh, yeah, now, and yeah. I'd be from Cork myself. So, uh, yeah, yeah, how was yeah. that for you, Munster? Loved it, man. Um, you know, if you ever, you know, if you, like you asked me, like, you know, my first experience overseas, especially coming from New Zealand, and you go to a place like Munster, like, 
you can never go to a better place like you know uh, organization uh, like Munster you know they they live and breathe rugby and if you haven't been to Thomond Park or if you haven't been to a Munster game you just know the Irish fans they're just very passionate um, and that's the reason why I enjoyed you know my time over there and you know I made friends off the field uh, not just you know I made friends on the field obviously and then uh, making friends off the field you know I made friends of like the bartenders, you know, um, like, you know, the butchery, um, you know, you just like, like the, the restaurant owners and stuff like that. Like, it was awesome, like, you know, but, you know, they, they always have the crack, you know, they always have good crack, uh, the Irish. And, you know, so I um, hold a special place in my heart um, because uh, Munster was, uh, you, know, you know, one of the first few, of one, or obviously the first, first club coming over overseas and couldn't ask for a better club to be a part of. So, yeah, hundred percent. And obviously having um Maffy and Tatoki being legends, Doug Howlett. Like, did you talk to any of these guys before coming over, or was it completely your own thing? Um, well, completely your own thing. Uh, but obviously I knew of Munster because of those, uh, those legends. You know, they're coming over to to Munster. Um, and I remember you know watching a hucker. You know, when, you know, Dougie and uh, those boys, you know, hopped out of the line, the four boys hopped out of the line and did the haka against the All Blacks. And, and you know, I remember watching back home in New Zealand and you see these sort of things and, like, you, you kind of look at it and be like, oh, man, like that, that's interesting to see that, you know, four of the boys just hop out of the line and do a haka against, you know, our, our home nation. And then when I get to Munster, then I sit down and I have, like, yarns with, uh, with Dougie and then, you know, he takes me out for like dinner or like lunches and stuff like that. And you just kind of like talk to him about the place. And, you know, he just couldn't speak, you know, like he spoke highly about the place and you know, it made me excited wanted to be a part of the organization. And and then when you actually get there and you actually live and breathe that, like it's a, a second to none, man. It's, a, it's just the best, bro. Give me chills just uh, hearing about it. Yeah, man, straight up. Obviously, your second year in Munster, uh, the incident happened with Anthony Foley. Like, in, did you play that following week against Glasgow? Ah, uh, no, no, I was injured. I was injured. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, man. But man, that place was. You could, I, I swear, man. Any team, like even like any team in the world, that day they will come to Munster, like. We will, we will, we will beat them, like hands down. Like it was like there was no chance Glasgow was gonna was gonna come to Munster and, uh, and and beat us. Obviously because of um, you know rest in peace to to a soul. Um, but you know the boys, you know you know what the Irish are like, man. They're, you know they're emotional and you know like they carry that emotion into into the into the game. And when you have something like that, it amplifies the boys and gets them up even more. And man, I. Any team in the world that would have played us that day, we would have like would have blasted them. And yeah, it was just crazy. Like just the whole atmosphere and the whole lead up into the week, into the game. Like um, yeah, it was just like yeah, spine tingling. Like you can just tell like just the atmosphere and everything. That just you can just feel it like brewing into uh, into the week. And then when it came on to game day, uh, man, just just the crowd itself. I mean, the boys just going out there and displaying um, their performance to, you know, to um, commemorate, you know, Anthony Foley. Um, yeah, it was awesome. 
awesome day. That's that's class to hear it from a player's perspective, you know. So, France, you mentioned a while ago Simon Zebo. He was obviously one of your past teammates as well. So, Simon is part of an infamous group known as the Cartel. Mm. Did you ever get pranked by the Cartel? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't um, established at that time. <laughs> so um, I think the cartels uh, happened probably a couple of years after I left, or maybe a year after I left. Though, so um, I'm sure if, you know I would have. I probably would have been part of the cartels if uh, if I was still there. Though, so you know, knowing Zeebs himself, he's a prankster, big prankster. Though, so um, likes having his phone up. Uh, you always got to be ready because. Uh, He'd be scaring you left, right, and center. That's for sure. Well, you you'd be seeing it on the stories though. So, um, yeah, Zeebs is a he, he's good crack man, um, and he uh, he likes to uh, throw a few few scary pranks out there though. But yeah, I wasn't part of the that era, but um, I'll be seeing it on his uh, on his Instagram though. But Zeebs, boy, if I was there, brother, you and I would be doing it together. So, <laughs> <laughs> any any uh, any. So- Particular message, if you had to send a message to Simon Zebo now, what what would you say to him? Oh man, hopefully we link up uh, later on down the track, brother. <laughs> Keeping it cheeky. <laughs> so obviously, you've you've been uh, an international rugby career, global, traveling from France, Ireland, England, mm. New Zealand, and different clubs. Have you had any noticeable, um, it, when you join a new club, you obviously have the initiations. What was your most memorable mm. initiations? Nah, it's just a classic, just sing the song, really. Um, that was about it. And that was early at Munster. Uh, and the Harlequins uh, was just to get up and, um, and sing a song. There was nothing, anything too exciting or grueling or... You know what I mean? Like, um, uh, that, that's pretty much the initiations that I've had uh, so far. Here in France, nothing um, that, that, that I've experienced. Oh, actually, in Barrett's, we had to do like a skit. Um, and obviously, I speak loads of French, so they understand a lot of what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, yeah, so I had to just kind of do a skit. Um, and here at Racine, haven't had anything uh, just yet, though. So I'm not too sure if uh, they do initiations around here. That's a good question. I, I might ask um, why chocolate that uh, tomorrow, though. So, um, what, what was yeah. your song? What was your song that you had to do? Uh, it's always a classic. It's my favorite song of all time, bro. Hotel California by the Eagles. Gnarly yeah. choice, gnarly choice. Comes a few yeah. bears. That's, uh, that's my song, man. Uh, Give me up on the mic, bro, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll belt that out. If you maybe next time we're all in Paris, a karaoke down in the local Paris, bro. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I'll take you boys down there, man. Because the boys were saying that there's there's, there's some uh, there's some class karaoke spots around here, though. So um, yeah, I'll I'll be on the microphone, bro. We will be all be on there. What would your what would your go to song be, Adam? 
Um, I kind of, I like Mr. Brightside. It always gets the people going. You probably only have to sing a few lines by yourself, and then everyone else joins in. Fans just knowing out from his time in Limerick that uh, yeah. be fairly popular. <laughs> yeah. You played for the All Blacks against Argentina on your on your debut, right? So if I was to like mm. paint paint a picture for our audience of what it would have been like, I believe it, I rewatched the game uh the other day in preparation mm. for this interview and yeah. i saw it was atrocious conditions in waikato yeah. stadium in hamilton the rain was thundering down uh, what, what were your thoughts going into the match i was um oh man i tried to try and play it play it down by being like you know it's just going to be like any other game you know what i mean like prepare like you know it's just like any other game and um and i was i was actually quite relaxed and calm throughout the week um and you know i just because that was my sort of mindset back then was just to kind of treat it as a you know another game and you know don't do anything out of the ordinary or don't you know don't do you know you have your routines and just don't you know step out of that um and then you know throughout the week as well the weather was class like you know we we were preparing to play a game with like running rugby, you know, throwing the ball around and obviously he came on Saturday and then you wake up and you start seeing drizzling and you're just like, no, nah. you're like, come on. Like you had been preparing uh, the whole week for that. Um, and, you know, like I said, I was quite relaxed and it was quite calm. But then for some reason, after the warm up, you go inside the change room and you just chuck on the jersey um, and then you line up or like you kind of, get into the huddle and you're just grabbing each other. Then for some reason, mate, I had like this this aura of feeling of just being like, like I was like my, my like shortness of breath. So I started just looking around and I was like, just remember, I was just looking at the boys and, being, and then all these thoughts coming into my head being like, this, this is what I've always dreamed of. Like I've been seeing all these boys here. These are the guys that I used to, you know, be watching in school and then obviously after school and then being able to just like, be in the circle right now and you're like literally listening to like Karen Reed talk. You're just like man. it's like spine singly stuff, man. And I was just like, holy. And I was just like, and bearing in mind, I I thought I was like, I was gonna be sweet. And then you kind of go into the tunnel and you're just like lining up and then you're kind of seeing it like from like a third person perspective. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of be like this, yeah. like you're like kind of like seeing yourself being like, shit, like this is actually happening. And then you actually like run out. And then like the fireworks are going off and then you just know in your head that your family are in the, in, in, in the stands and then you line up like for the, for the, um, for the anthem. And then you're just, all these thoughts are just like going through your mind. Um, and just, yeah, it was, was amazing, man. Like couldn't ask for, you know, like, um, the opportunity to have a Rosen at, at that time. And I played alongside, uh, you know, Stephen Lutor and uh, Charles Butel, uh, two guys that I've grown up with as well um, in our age group years. And then to be like standing next to them and then and then obviously you come to the haka and then you're like, I'm like, I'm standing at the back. And um, then it goes back to like that third person sort of perspective where you're just like watching yourself as if you're like watching on TV, but you're watching yourself do the haka and everything. But I'm like right at the back. 
and I'm seeing like all the boys like their numbers on their backs and I'm just doing haka belting that out and I'm just like wow like this is class then you come in and then you just have uh Rito sorry uh Kieran Reed just come in and you just like brings the boys back in because obviously after a haka you're just so hyped and your energy levels are just so high it just brings you back down and it's just pretty much bringing you back into the moment again and you know just like a guy like him and his leadership skills being able to like bring the boys galvanize us back into into the moment into the present um and just to go out there and just play the game um unfortunately i, I fumbled one of one of the balls and they they scored their first try off that <laughs> bro i remember i remember being like fuck that's a good that's a this is gonna be a good debut <laughs> and then remember being underneath like the um and like, I remember being underneath the sticks, and I just feel like this. I was like, going, oh my gosh, did that just happen? And I was just like, going, fuck. And then, uh, you know, then you had um, uh, Kieran Reed and uh, Aaron Smith come up to me, and they were just like, going, all good, bro. Bro, next job, you'll be sweet. And then when you hear those sort of words, it kind of clicks you back into like uh, the moment again, and it just makes you just like think about your next job straight away instead of thinking about the mistake. You just have like, you know, those sort of few critical words at the time where, you know, I could have gone either this way or the other way where I could have just, you know, try to try too hard, you know, for the, like the next play where they were just like, it's all good, bro. Right, next job, you'll be sweet. It and seems that, me back into. Yeah, it seems that the team at that time had a very level head. Like it was very calm. They knew what they were doing. Like the, the mindset was just there. And obviously you had your key players like Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, Kieran Reed, all these guys mm. with a lot of lot of experience. And these the All Blacks were an unstoppable force. They were beating absolutely everyone. Do you do you yeah. think that the current All Black setup is lacking some of that um, level headedness? Or because there's been a string of losses obviously against Ireland, obviously Adam will be really happy with that. What what do you think could could be improved in, within the I guess the current Kiwi setup if if you had to put a finger on it? Yeah, I think you you know you pointed out a, a great point there. Um, you know that like you got to remember that from the 2007 World Cup up until the 2015, you had a good core group of players uh, that had been there, and then also felt the loss of a 2007 World Cup. And obviously won the 2011 World Cup, and then for them to carry on those sort of core group of boys onto the. So you're talking about a good eight years, seven eight years of um, you know these players um, having to hold on to a team um, and have the sort of leadership and players and characters that they had uh, back then. Um, and obviously they had left and left a big hole in the All Blacks. So you know the the players that are that are still around that, they have been back in that era. Obviously you only have like, well, Sam Whitelock was probably like one of the early ones um, that, that they're still running around. Obviously Burnham Barrett, uh, Aaron Smith. Um, but you gotta know like key guys, like you have McCaws, the Dan Carters, the Nonus, like you, you speak about these sort of names, but they're in such pivotal sort of positions that they were like really important to the team and you needed yeah. them like those sort of guys in your team though so 
I think the, the All Blacks, you know, they're, they're still finding their, their ways. It's a, it's a young group of boys. Um, and I, I just know for a fact that, you know, they're navigating themselves through, you know, this passage. And even though they haven't put in or strung in like a lot of um, good performances, uh, obviously losing the series to Ireland, but you also got to remember as well, other teams are getting better also. So it's not just like the All Blacks lacking, um, you know, that sort of like leadership. They, they may do though, but they still have a good chunk of boys there that, you know, that will actually like lead the boys through though. But at the same time as well, World Rugby and all other nations, uh, you know, just rising at the same time as well. So it's exciting times ahead, especially with the World Cup looming. The gap's and closing. Gap's closing. And I would say like the next World Cup's going to be the hardest World Cup uh, to date to, to win because... You just never know who, you know, on the day is going to bring, um, is going to win because every nation, even the Pacific Island nations as well, they even could have, could have a chance also. So, um, but it's just about, you know, being able to be your best on the day. And, you know, you can see now, you know, with the Irish team coming through, the French team coming through. And I think England will be a team to look out for also, though. So it's, um, uh, oh, all teams and it's all going to be in paris it's all going to be in paris where you already are so you're going to be you're going to be like at the heart the heart of the uh world cup action 100 yeah 100 man 100 nah, it's gonna it's gonna be an awesome spectacle man and yeah so the world cup this next world cup's gonna be yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be bonkers man it's gonna be mean so Francis, you you're on about the World Cup there. You played with Charles Pieto underage. Charles is obviously returned to play for Tonga. Could mm. Francis Saili be at the next World Cup wearing a blue jersey potentially? Uh, man, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, you know, I'll put my hand up for it. That's for sure, though. Um, you know, if the opportunity uh, arises and you know it presents itself, um, yeah, I'd I'd love to be available. I'll be I'm available for it anyway. Obviously, I'm eligible, so, um, you know, God willing, you know, hopefully in God's time, uh, I'll be there. Obviously, it's going to be here in France as well, though, so even better. Perfect timing, really. Let, let's hope the uh, selectors are keeping an eye out on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it, man. <laughs> do, do you think, though, with, with the eligibility, that do you think that All Blacks pick players from the the islands so that they can't play f for their respective countries like there's a lot of all blacks mm. that have come that have come from like that were eligible for samoa tonga fiji that have been picked for the all blacks but only played a handful of times do you think that that's perhaps like a tactic so that they could be on top or it's obviously a very controversial uh yeah that's a, angle, i, I don't see that yeah, I did, I, did, I did see that with, um, you know, I saw it on Instagram with that. You know, Sal, Sal Kula? Is it Sal Kula? Yeah, the Fijian fellow. Peter Gus, Silva Yeah, Silva Kula. Yeah, Silva Kula. That's how i yeah. You know, obviously, you know, he played like, did he play a couple games? Yeah, he played, he played two games this year for, for the All Blacks. Mm. Uh, yeah. in June but I you know I think I saw the same Instagram post which is why I kind of brought it up um, yeah 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 I was just wondering what your take was mm, look like 
it's a funny one when uh, Eddie Jones, you know, used it in, a, in I think it was like one of the New Zealand uh, sort of like talking panel um, channels that we have back home. And he said that, you know, we have the three best academies. Um, you know, we've got Tonga, Samoa and Fiji. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, but in, in a sense though, because New Zealand, you know, we we have a lot of Pacific Islanders. We're kind of blessed in that sense to have, um, you know, that's all at talent pool, um, especially in Auckland. Um, so much talent gets dispersed out uh, around uh, New Zealand. Um, and that's yeah, a hard one, man. Um, I don't think they intentionally do do that. Um, but, you know, I did see the one with that Salkula uh, fellow, though, and it's just an unfortunate um, sort of yeah, situation. It's, with, uh, it's, with it's early days. So. It's early days. Mm. I, I could still see Salkula still playing. I, I've seen a few of his highlight reels, and the, the guy's insane. In, he, he used to play basketball. He's 6'5". He's quick. He's strong. He's is he six five? Six five, I read online. Yeah, and uh, he seems oh. like a bit of a beast. I, I, I'm sure I wouldn't want to play against him myself. So I, I could definitely see him, mm. see him playing in that uh, all black yeah. jersey this if he's picked this November. In fact, the the squad was the the squad was picked uh, re- recently. Um, yeah, for the November trials uh, tour. Do you have any yeah. predictions for any players that you? think might be standout players for this uh, November tour from the All Blacks side of things? Um, Jeez. Man, I, I had a thought in my head just to go back to uh, like uh, what we were talking about with like the World Cup and do you know how like, you know, the Rugby League World Cup that's happening I think it's yeah, this year. Um, What's this month actually? And starts tomorrow, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, starts tomorrow. And you know how they have, like, you know, there is no eligibility rules. Like, even if you've played for, like, one country, you can play for the other. Because, obviously, you just want, like, the best players playing on, um, you know, the world stage. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to to see how they'll, they'll look if they had that in rugby, rugby union. You know, like, um, if you can't play for, you know, if you don't make, like, say, for instance, the All Blacks, if those players can go back and play for, like, their respective uh, countries, you know how that, how the World Cup will, will kind of look. I'll be, I'd say, you know, like there won't be, you know, like the strong nations. Like you'll have like the, like you know, you know, obviously all the big nations like New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, New, um, so on. Like imagine all the players that couldn't make the, like that didn't make those teams. They can go back and play for like their origin team will be. Would be class. Well, sorry, I just see it on that way, just because I just had a thought in my mind about that. So, yeah, that that Samoan backline could look pretty good. Uh, Lima Sapoanga, Fred Sayuli, Manu Tuolangi. Who will be your back three? Francis, any any good back three players you bring in? Holy Jesus, that's gonna be. Off the top of my head, geez, putting on the spot on this one. Um, ah, damn. I'd have Tim Nanai Williams potentially in there. Mm, yeah, for sure. But the thing is, that guy can play 13 wing and fullback. Like, he's that, like, you know, versatile. Um, 
it'll be hard because there's so many players there's so many players from like they could like jump in into all these positions though so it'll be yeah it'll be hard though it'll be hard so well, you're out with the rugby league world cup francis and uh, would you watch much rugby league yourself yeah, I watch. I watch. I like watching uh, league. Yeah, I don't. I don't like watching too much rugby union, um, just because I, I can, you know, I consume that every day. Um, so I like watching a bit of league because you know you can learn a lot from rugby league. Also, in terms of like, especially for my position, like your running lines, um, you know, just being able to see different pictures because we sort of run like when you run like uh, small sort of like attacking shapes. It's similar to like uh, league though, so and also as well, league is just like a sport where it's you know a lot more physical. You know, it's kind of like not one dynamic, but you also just see like a lot more physicality in it. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of grew up watching a little bit of league, and then obviously being from New Zealand at the same time as well, um, kind of gives you a different perspective on seeing a few things that you can transfer into reunion though. So yeah. And we've obviously seen a lot of guys like, uh, obviously, it's Sonny Bill, Israel Falau, Jason Robinson back in the day. Roger Tuovasashek is obviously the current top property. Mm. But do you think um, there could be a change with the new money in the NRL that we could see union players transitioning to NRL? Do you think that could be a thing in the future? Man, anything's possible, but I think that if the... If, if what you're saying is true in terms of like you know putting a little bit more money into are you saying more money into the inner round uh, like man i'd love to try uh league and there's a lot of us that even talk about it like amongst ourselves that you know i'd love to give like rugby league a go um but i'd say there's a possibility because there's a lot of boys that do talk about it so it isn't it, it isn't conversations and you know there have been boys that come from rugby league to union um and there hasn't been a lot of boys go from union to league though, so it could be an interesting um, uh, space to see what happens with that. So yeah. Yeah, recently it's just um, the, only, the last example I can think of would be Luther Burrell, and that was in the Super League. You know, it was towards the yeah. end of his career. Like it's never, it hasn't yeah. happened in someone's prime. Obviously, Sonny Bill came, went, came again. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Like who do you think would make a very good league player out of the union guys you played with? Um, Manny Tuilangi. Oh, no, I haven't played with him, but that was just one of the first guys that came to my mind was uh, Manny Tuilangi. <laughs> um, yeah, Manny Tuilangi. Um, man, Bowden Barrett. Bowden Barrett would be class, um, uh, I reckon, as, as a fullback. Uh, Richie Mwanga, Richie Mwanga would be good. Um, and I've got like mind blank right now though. Trying to get like a busting forward. Who, who's who, one of some busting forwards that I've played with that could, man, nah, Nonu. Nonu would be mean, oh. at, um, would be me, would be mean at center. Uh, just his vision yeah. and his obviously physicality. Um, yeah, he'll be class. Um, Did you play yeah, with Nonu like at the Blues? Yep. Yep, we played. Um, I played with him in 2012, and then then 2015. Oh, nice! When he came back to us, yeah. And yeah. who? Obviously, you've had a lot of different centre pairings over the years, who, and in different countries, different nationalities. 
who would you obviously with the top three again who would who would be your top three center pairings that you've had the honor to be with um one of my one of my best mates in school he was there we we had a we had a gun partnership um his name was matthew gandy shout out to my boy um and obviously uh nonu nonu was uh someone that you know obviously through school he was someone that i idolized and then we actually have someone like him um you know you he put me under his wing and he was kind of like my my mentor and then also just being able to like learn off him and just just kind of because we had like similar sort of games like some similar sort of like uh style of play um so someone like him was um was awesome to play alongside with and then since parents yeah maybe gail fiku uh fiku well figures obviously just had had my first one last week with him um and that was class though but we just know that it's just going to be fine tuning and being able to just know each other's style of play um over time and over the course of um you know time here in uh, at racing we'll be able to like nullify that because um you know he's someone that I've you know I've always respected his game and seeing him playing like on international level has been exciting but to be like be able to play alongside him in a club level is uh is actually uh, quite cool though so uh, we had our first game last week though so but we we'll, we just know that we're just trying to fine tune and find each other's connections yeah. and style of play and once we once we do click uh, i feel like you know we'll we'll, um, we'll be able to create some some good stuff on on the field what is like the process of joining joining the new club and then getting to know your your other center partner what's the process like of like the the inside scoop let's say uh of getting to know these Gail Fiku for example like what sort of things are you doing on a daily basis with Gail Fiku to understand each other and like you said click and get get those uh movements and flows going yeah man that's look like rugby is you can say it's a simple game though but when it comes down to the nuts and bolts like good thing about it is like he has his strengths i have my strengths and depending on what sort of moves we play we kind of have the mentality of horses for courses like best horses for courses and you know like he he may run sort of lines that you know that i don't run and then i run like lines that he doesn't run so whichever play that we do have like we just can kind of like nullify that throughout the week but we talk about it and then be like this all right sweet on this move over here bro we, we can swap on this i'll take this line so then you can take my role for the next one it's those sort of small connections and conversations that you just have like throughout the week um and then like, like i said like over time and over the course course of time we'll be able to find like i'll be able to know a little bit more about him like his sort of detail be like this all right then he likes to run this sort of line and then throw the offload off his like left hand you know what I mean? You kind of pick yeah. up those sort of like detail of um of on a more though, subconscious but, level. Yeah, on a more subconscious level, and then it's, it just becomes like second nature to us. We just kind of got there, and um, like we we had like a meeting like last week or week before that, and then uh, we had a uh, Juan uh, him off. Yeah, um, the Argentinian. And 
the Argentinian and then we kind of just sat down on the couch and we were all just chatting amongst ourselves and we were just like saying like man once we get to know each other's sort of style of play and then we can we can understand each other like on a playing level then we can kind of go out there and like play like it's like we've played for like years so if I know that you know I can just give the ball to Juan early and he just does his thing and then that's what he wants then I can just be like that so I can just get the ball throw it out to Juan and be like this Juan do something bro you know have a go you know what I mean like but it's that sort of confidence that you can just have amongst ourselves and the connections though so um that's the sort of like conversations that we have every day um just being able to you know like learn each other's game know each other's like uh, style of play and then once you have that you just start picking up small smaller details finer details uh, of each other's game and then you just implement it into you know game structures and uh, and you get that man get the the juice flowing yeah, you get the juices flowing, man, and uh, you know, get the frequency uh, going too. So yeah, what's it like having a uh, Christian Wade back in uh, back into rugby union? That's another big name joined Racing. Scored a try on the weekend. Bro, this guy is—he's uh, crack up. I'm not gonna lie, man. He's—he's—he's uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's been out the game for like four years, and he's gone over to America. And he's come back as an American. Like he's got that sort of like uh <laughs> like this guy, this guy is too funny. He just like good thing about him was like he speaks what he what he thinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and like, you know, like because he's just coming back into rugby, like uh, he's come from like NFL sort of setup. You know what like the American like the NFL boys are like they have not like egos, like but they have that sort of swagger where they kind of just be like this like. And all the you know whooping I mean? like, and hollering. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, like when he brings that sort of energy in, and wow, he's crack up, man. He brings that sort of like, yeah, that their American sort of energy in. And, but the boys like it because it's so refreshing and we need sort of like characters like that though. Um, and like, yeah, like everything that he does, like with his, with his training, <laughs> he just always like makes like small comments just being honest. He's like, Man, like, very like, like, he just he just makes like 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 uh, small like remarks about like rug- coming back into rugby again. You know this, bro. Just give me the ball early, man, and let me do my thing. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just like, but I love that sort of energy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just characters like that that just you, know, you, you just kind of. Otherwise, the rugby will be boring if you don't have characters like that. So um, yeah. And interesting when you yeah, said there, Francis. Interesting when you said there with his training. Like, is his training routine different? Obviously, he's played in the NFL. Like, does he approach training a different mentality to than what a traditional rugby player would? Um, yeah, like uh, the conversations that we have had. Um, you know, like he's he, he tells us, you know, like with NFL, it's it's a lot more specific to your position even though it was like that in rugby as well though but you know he 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 because we sometimes do like uh sunday sessions like at the like facilities and then uh he kind of talks me through like his routines of like you know what nfl boys will go through but they like specify each part of their body and being able to just like make sure like they get their that part of their body like strong 
and then just making sure that it's not just like you're just doing it for the sake of it though so i kind of learned a few things off him um and you know just learned a few things like what it, the nfl sort of mindset is kind of like in comparison to rugby um but yeah he's yeah yeah <laughs> definitely an experience so yeah, that's for sure, man. Yeah, it's always a laugh for me every day, though. And he's cracked up. Ready, brother? Adam, you ready? Yeah, good to go. Let's ask the it's like me and Adam. It's like you're the ref, and me and Adam are about to get into a <laughs> one-on-one battle. <laughs> I wouldn't fancy that, Francis. <laughs> you wouldn't fancy <laughs> <have> this weekend. <laughs> okay. Talking of battles, that leads me to my first question. If you had to have a fight with a bear, who would win? Me. On what grounds? (laughs) 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 Uh, A bit of magic, a bit of beauty. A bit of magic, a bit of magic, man. Nah, bro, I'd definitely get mauled by a by a bear, man. Who would want to be in who who would want to fight a bear? You know, uh, we, ne- next week we've got Legovi Lug- and Mulepola on, and uh, yeah. I, I think he could take on a bear. <laughs> he, he's, a, uh, he's a bit of a beast. I, I, yeah, I'll let, him, I'll let him fight the bear then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, never mind a bear, Francis. If you were to pick one rugby player you would not like to fight in a boxing match, who would it be and why? Jeez, man, it'll probably be someone like um, bro, like Baki's Porter, bro. Back in the day, bro, that guy was, he was, he was scary, bro. Like that's one guy that I wouldn't want to get in, like run into an alleyway with, or like into a fight with. That's for sure. Um, yeah, Baki's Porter, obviously because of his uh. Maybe when you see him on the field, like back in the days, though, that's someone that I, I thought was uh, quite, quite, uh, quite scary. So yeah. Did yeah, you ever play him. against him? Nah, I'm, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. Proper enforcer, proper old school enforcer. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. Greatest moment in your career. Uh, oh, yeah, can't run past my All Blacks debut. Um, yeah, that was that was something special. It's always something that I've always dreamed of of uh, doing and being able to um, achieve that, especially on home ground and having my family, my, especially my parents there, uh, was uh, something special. Um, and probably another one as well. I was playing alongside my uh, older brother uh, Peter Saili um, uh, on club level at, for the Blues. Uh, I wish my oldest brother played uh, rugby as well, and we could all, all three of us play. But um, yeah, that that was another special moment, also. Uh, what's the best home ground you've ever had? Your background, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew, I knew it was gonna lie. To me. <laughs> For anyone in the audio, my background is Tom and Pear. <laughs> Uh, straight up, straight up, man. That was it's, 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 uh, there's nothing like it, man. Like, you know, obviously, home is like Eden Park, though, but nothing like 
monster, like a full, full packed stadium. Whew, you can't beat it, bro. Um, favorite, uh, the atmosphere that's just amazing, bro. So, go on, the Irish. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> favorite players growing up? Uh, Carlos Spencer, Christian Cullen, and John Olomu. Okay. And who was your biggest opponent? Like, who did you hate playing against the most? Mm, there wasn't, there wasn't anyone particular that I hated playing against the most. Um, but one, one, one guy that I, you know, that that was like tough to play against was um, man, was uh, Sunny Sunny Bill. Sunny Bill was a tough opponent to play against. Um, and that was my second game in professional rugby, playing for the Blues. Yeah, having having uh, having him. Um, uh, I'll tell you a funny story anyway. Even though these are quick fire questions, though, but uh, him and him and I on the on the field were quite chirpy, uh, uh, like uh, to each other there, which was. And the thing is, the thing was that my oldest brother had played off um, uh, Sunny Bill when they played league uh, at a younger age. Um, and also uh, one of our good friends, Tama, uh, he's married to Sunny Bill's sister. And we all kind of grew up like, you know, from, from like young age as well there. Um, but they kind of went off and did the league stuff. And then uh, he didn't know, he didn't know that, he didn't know that, you know, my oldest brother was, uh, was John. And then obviously, you know, you know, as the game goes on, you're just literally just like talking and I'm just like just saying to him, you know, I, I got two, I got two. Cause obviously he's like, second person outside of uh number 10 and because like we were like going on like he turns around and he's just like hey bro shut the fuck up bro and then then i was just like this right and me being me being me like because i'm like that competitive i don't know why i did it but then i turned back around and i I went bro you shut the fuck up and then from then on i said a tone i said a tone so i'm sorry but i said the tone from there of like him and I just like literally like having a like having a go at each other like just chirping at each other and I just remember like turning around next to Ma'a and um just like saying to him I was like going bro I was like going fuck I just said that to him he's like I say what I was like bro did you not hear me say like you know tell Sunny Woods to shut the fuck up and he's like going (laughs) bro he's like and he's like going bro all good rules, just play your game, play your game. And I was just like going, and I remember just being in my head the whole time, being like, wow, all right, then there's going to be a long game. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, like, uh, yeah, had a little run over them, but like, man, he was competitor. And I was, uh, but to be honest, it was also a dream also to play against someone like him. Um, we all know what Sonny Bill's, Bill's, Bill was like, though, but, you know, on the field, you know, I was never going to back down at the same time as also, but, that was also a dream come true just to play against them or play against them too, though. So it was pretty funny. We've all tried to do the Sunny Villa offloads to very yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, though. So, uh, we we're cool at the end of the game, though. So that was all good. Did, did you get, did you buy each other a beer after the game? Uh, nah, well, actually, they came into our change room afterwards and, uh, I was like getting changed and then the Chiefs boys walk in and then you know when you just you just know like the, the opposition comes to your change room but you just knew exactly what just happened on the field 
and you just feel this sort of aura come over you and just like going, oh, fuck, Sunny Bill's in here. <laughs> and you kind of like turn around and you're like a, you're like a young fella, 21 year old, and you're just like, shit. And then like one of my mates comes over to me and I'm like telling them, retelling them like what happened on the field and everything. And he's like laughing at me and he's like going, bro, just go over to him. Just like, just, just like shake his hand and say, it's all good, bro. Just say sorry. And I was like, Bro, you reckon? It's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be sweet. And I was like, all right, all good. And he's sitting next to Renny Ranger and he's like, he's got his arm around him. And I'm like walking over. And I'm just like going, I have my hand out and I'm like going, what's up, bro? <laughs> uh, I'm like going, what's up, bro? And I'm like going, um, I was like, bro, like whatever happened on the field, man, you know, man, like fuck, respect, bro. Like, I'm sorry, bro. Uh, you know, I just got a bit too, too like, you know, I just got a bit too, too like, ahead on myself. And, um, I just wanted to say it's a dream come true and everything like that, bro. But I had my hand out the whole time as I was like talking to him, bro. And I was just, and I was, I'm just like, I'm like this, and I'm like talking, and he's just like this, and he's like this. All right, sweet, bro. Just shakes my yeah. hand. <laughs> I like walk off, and I and I go back to my mate, and I was just like, going, I think it, I think it went all good, bro. <laughs> I'm just like, going. so yeah, nah, I was cracking with that, but. It's dream is a dream country, that's for sure. That's class. And yeah. was your was your brother playing in this match as well? Or yeah, 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 yeah. My brother got sent off um, in the match. He got into a fight, and uh, it's so funny. You used to see like the end on view. I'm like sprinting over from like the other end of the field, but as I'm sprinting over as, as well, Sonny Bill's running over also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like going, nah, gee, I ain't getting into a scrap with this fella, bro. <laughs> so, but yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. And who uh, who's the best coach you've ever had? Best coach um, I've ever had? Uh, my father. Yeah? Big, big mentor growing up? Big mental growing up, he was my first coach, um, and it will always be my coach, that's for sure. Um, but on a professional level, um, oh, there'll be a couple. Um, Steve Hansen is one, um, and Razi Rasmus, he was another one. You know, he tested me at time. He tested me at times, though, but for the better. That, that that's for sure, and. Um, he kind of made you, you know, want to like because he had that sort of army like background sort of mentality, though. You just had to be on it, um, every single day, though. So, yeah, uh, Steve Hansen, obviously, because you know, like you learn a lot in the, in the all black environment, though. But someone like him, like you know, he kind of he knew how to talk to like certain players, um. Of certain players, like you know, he won't talk to everybody the same. Like he kind of talks to people like and like depend on their sort of personality though. Um, and you know, he kind of put me also in like in my place at times as well, which was kind of nice. You know, it's, it's kind of good though, and because I'm a bit of a joker and I kind of joke around and stuff like that though. Um, he can kind of you know put you in place though, but you know, obviously it comes from a good place, and then. And talks about you know your style of play, and then you know I like to take risks um, when it comes to playing, um, and then you know he kind of mentored me in that sort of way of just being you know like sometimes the risks and rewards can be 
Um, you know, it depends on, you know, if, if, if you can limit your risks and, you know, the rewards would be higher, then you'd rather take that instead of taking, like, high risks than, like, you know what I mean? Like, even though the rewards could be, you know, just as yeah. just as juicy, though, but, you know, sometimes, you know, having to have that sort of balance in your game of just, you know, doing the simple things well and then the opportunities of being able to show your flair and having to, you know, like, Bring your X-Factor capabilities in uh, will come into play there, but being able to just keep it simple first and do the basics well. And then uh, once you get the feel of the game and starts going well, then then you can start throwing, you know, that that sort of offload that you know that you've been trying to you've been trying to do in trainings though. So yeah. You know, I think if we look at it from a macro perspective, so the bigger picture, it's actually quite unbelievable that in the last, let's say, 12 years or 14 years, you've been coached by two of the greatest coaches of the game of all time, Razi Erasmus and Steve Hansen. I, I, mm. like, I think for the people listening at home especially, like, to bear in mind that these guys are juggernauts of the game and the fact that you've had the chance to learn from them and grow with them mm. that must have been incredible uh i can i can't even believe to start to think how much you must have learned from them is there like any sort of specific things that razi or steve had about that obviously you mentioned he was very steve was very personable uh but any sort mm. of razi stories that you particularly remember that make you yeah, think that he... really makes him stand out in a way yeah like he he was uh like obviously with the South African background as well, like you know, their their, their game is revolves around physicality, and you know he always had that sort of mindset of like when you're stepping on that field and there's a line between you and your opposition, and you're 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 you're, you're defending, you don't end up on your side. You make sure you end up on their side, and like he has this, he he like says like like excuse my language, but he says, like, like, like fuck them up. Like, literally, just, like, make make sure you you write, like, your signature on his chest and be like, I am here. Like, it's like that, that, that sort of stuff that was, uh, you know, like, you can kind of take and I'm that sort of player that, like, I was like, this, ooh, and I'm like, when I hear that sort of stuff, I'm like, this is sweet. Like, it's that's that, the sort that, of coach that, yeah, yeah it's that, that, that sort of coach that, you know, you can kind of be like, that's sweet. I like, I like a coach like that, that, want you to kind of like smack guys behind like the game line and um, being able to just like impose your dominance um, on your position though. So it was someone that was kind of driving that, a driving force for that. Um, yeah. Especially those uh, chain locker room speeches that they give at halftime or before the match just to get all the players hyped for a game. I remember when yeah. my, my coach when I was younger growing up and he'd give us uh, his speech is Canadian, Canadian guy. Um, I was just like in that moment, just there listening, and uh, like my my body, my goosebumps were tingling. Everything, yeah. You just ready for that game, especially when it's like a big final or or a big match against the rival, and you're there with your brothers. You're there with, yeah. It's like a rugby family in a way that they you come together. Yeah, for sure. And it's just incredible in that sense yeah sure yeah no nah, that's it man 
yeah, you have these coaches that will literally, um, man, they can get dropped before games and it's just used with like their words. Oh, I remember um, one of the ones like uh, our talks before the game, uh, the Barbarians game. Man, Jesus, is so bad on me. Um, oh, Alistair, Alistair Kellogg. Oh, yeah, the second row. Yeah, second row. Glasgow. Yeah, from Glasgow, mate. He was, uh, bro. His 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 pre-match talks before the game was spine tingling. It was like something coming off bloody Braveheart or something like that. That's for sure. Like he he gave us something like because you wear your club socks and like your home socks, and then like I remember him like one of the lines that got me up was just like whenever you're feeling tired. And you have your hands on your knees and you're looking down and you see your you're wearing your socks you remember where you came from and you know at that point you just know for a fact you're playing for your club you're playing for your home team so you get back up and you get out there and you keep and i was just i just remember just standing and just being just mm, i was like bro that's that's actually true though like it was it was like one of those ones where you just like and it's true though because obviously in the game you'll just be running around when you're running ragged and you have your hands on your knees and you're just looking down and you're like puffing and then you look at your socks and that's what you see and, <laughs> and it just reminds you it just reminds you of like your your home team and where you came from and you never your forget roots. that and then your roots and when you when you, when you see that you just kind of be like you know what i'm i'm back in the game again and i was just like but like just the way just the way you articulated his words and how he said it like i can't say like word for word how we kind of went through it though but how we said it and obviously the Scottish accent as well though. <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was yeah, it was it was me. I, I bloody enjoyed that one, that's for sure. And that it showed that very powerful to be fair. Uh, yeah. definitely showed that day, yeah. You had a good win. Um so just to wrap it up there, Francis. So at the end of the show, you get to have one wish. So if you were to hear any rugby player on a podcast, who would you pick and why? Man, if I would have one wish to have a person on the podcast, that would be, um, Jerry Collins. Oh, Jerry Collins. Jeez, Jerry I Collins, man. Be, he'd be a great man to have. He'd be a great man. Yeah. Um, I've been on. I've been on a uh, a tour with him um, to. Hong Kong, and this is for uh, one of the barbarians to be playing against Saracens, and yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, he, he's one guy. He's well respected uh, amongst the rugby uh, communities, though. But yeah, I'd love to see him him on our podcast. That's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. No, great, great choice, great choice. And finally, so we're going to ask you to email us a question for our next guest now. We won't tell you exactly who it is, but you can pick the question for our next guest that you'd like them to answer. So yeah, sweet. We'll Sounds good. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Okay. So thanks so if, very much for coming on, Francis. And appreciate it, yeah. boys.